Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome back, Carrie Sliving. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to our HR representative of the VL podcast, keeping us all on the straight and narrow and wife of this particular podcaster. Sitting here in this podcast studio, Anna from HR. What's up? Fresh is our turn, baby. Love how uh, I'm Anna from HR first, wife second. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Another reluctant appearance by you. This is appearance number four, and it's been begrudgingly... <laughs> Tone it down. Tone it down. What was the deal we had to make to get you to come on tonight? Sushi. You don't like sushi, so we got sushi for dinner tonight, and that was the exchange. Yeah, I had a bad batch, too. <laughs> Even exchange, for sure. Housekeeping, contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram. Go there for all of our swag situations and the sweetest Photoshop on the gram. Okay. I was actually just thinking about this when we were walking up into podcast studio. This thought hit my head. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I was thinking, when did this love of podcasting start? And I actually think it was years before the whole podcasting revolution actually started. Okay. Do tell. I took a sociology class first semester of college. And one of the projects that we got in this sociology class was you would set a tape recorder, like a cassette tape recorder, down in the middle of the room. I believe Hank, who was on the pod last week, also had the same assignment at one point in the sociology class. Actually, I don't know if it was sociology. It might have just been like some sort of communications class. Mm-hmm. But either way, you would just set a tape recorder down in the middle of the room, and then you would have your friends over and all hang out like normal. And then you would have to listen to it back when the night was over, transcribe all of it, and then write a paper on what your key learnings were. Sounds like my worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare, which is why you hate hate doing podcasts. It was like my favorite activity in the world. I thought being able to go back and like analyze the whole conversation and the different dynamics between the people in the room, like listen to it back was like the most intriguing thing in the world. I, I would really like doing that if it was like a group of friends that I knew and I wasn't like there that night. I think that would be cool. But just listening to me is probably what I would not like about that scenario. Just because you'd want to hear what people are talking about behind your back? No, just because if you take yourself out of the mix, you get to have like a more, me being a fly on the wall, so to speak. Oh, okay. And then not being a part of the conversation. Not so much to like hear what they're saying behind my back, more so just hearing them and not even like seeing them but hearing them and like knowing those personalities so this is probably why you're much less of a narcissist than me because i'd want me in that room correct <laughs> yes <laughs> I'd want, yeah but i just i don't remember much about what my key takeaways were except one and again this probably taps into how i'm a narcissist the main key takeaway i took away from it was for the first time hearing myself back in conversation, I realized how aggressively I hijack like all (laughs) conversations. And just like if someone's talking about something, I'll start talking over them or I'll just keep talking and talking and talking. And I think that was the first time I just realized like, oh, in hangouts with other people, if I'm involved, 
I'm talking like 80% of the time and I'm annoying as fuck. <laughs> whereas whereas with my scenario, I wouldn't want to hear myself because I would just be like, why did I say that? Especially if like you had been drinking or something, be like, what the fuck am I even talking about? Like, ew. <laughs> I wouldn't want to yeah. play that back. Yeah. Just well, want to forget it forever. That's the difference between you and I. That's why you don't have a teen podcast and I have a teen podcast. You just do the background HR for this podcast. Correct. That's why I'm in HR. Okay. Let's go to some previously on the OC. Previously on the OC. I was with John. He went through something. Something like I went through. Even if Marissa was accused, she wouldn't go to jail. She also wouldn't be going to college. Look, can we talk? Yeah, okay, but before you say anything... I like you. Ah, boy. Seth, I mean, it's obvious that we are soulmates. What were you doing talking to her? You were just gonna scam me into throwing a fake charity and leave me to pick up the pieces so you could skip town. You don't have any friends here. Wrong. I have Kirsten, and I won't do this to her. We are jumping into... Episode 8 and Episode 9 on HBO Max. You can go there for all of the OC episodes. We're on Season 3, Episodes 8 and 9. Should we start with Episode 8? Sure. Let's do it. Core 4, trying to figure out where they're going to go to college. Mm-hmm. Seth, he wants to go east. He's had it in his head for a lot of years that he needs to get the fuck out of Newport. He needs to go east. Most notably Brown. That's what he's really targeting. What's Ryan's goal, actually? I don't remember. I don't. I think he just no wants college? to go to college. But then he talks to that guy from Brown and he's like, you should really consider. Or no, it was Berkeley. You should yeah. really consider Berkeley. And he's just like, OK. But he. I don't think he actually says a specific school in the beginning. Ryan's kind of wishy-washy. It's like, I could go to Berkeley. Sandy went there and Kirsten went there. They met there. They have all this personal tie to it. I could potentially go there. Also, totally cool, just not doing anything. Did you ever talk to high school guidance counselor? Um, Was that a thing? I don't think I did. Because I, because like I remembered them being like present, but I don't ever remember going to a guidance counselor being like, "What college should I go to?" And can we like do just a quick recap of all of my grades and my, you know, let's really get down and dirty and talk about what sort of college I need to get into. Like, I never had those intense conversations like they're having at this private school. Well, probably because you knew since birth where you were going to college. I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) You have a long lineage. (laughs) But I wouldn't want to go anywhere else besides IU. However, I just, I I never remember remembered having those conversations yeah i'm sure i had them and i went to like a college prep high school so Mm, look at you so (laughs) fancy so i probably had them but i don't remember having a lot of it was mostly probably just talk of like you want to have these uh extracurriculars you want to have this on your resume like i remember there was a lot of talk about you should really get into this Big Brothers program. Big Brothers will be really good. <laughs> I remember good. you telling me those stories. Really good to have on your resume. Yeah, that Big Brothers program. What an experience that was. <laughs> I know the kids that had me as a Big Brother were just, is like, they got nothing out of it. Nothing. <laughs> now, all here, Here's how every Big Brother hangout went. Me and my friend JT, we would drive all the way to the east side, pick up some kids, and then... We made the fatal mistake the first time we ever hung out with them of taking them to McDonald's. Yeah, I think you said it was McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> so Buying them a bunch of stuff. How every hangout went after that was they would get in the car. They would just ask us every five seconds to take them to McDonald's every time we hung out. And then I remember it culminated with JT, um, his little brother, bought a McFlurry from McDonald's when we took him there and the kid just spilled the McFlurry and it had like M&Ms and all this shit in it in the back seat of his car and I don't think I've ever seen someone get angrier <laughs> driving a vehicle than the than what JT looked like when the kid his little brother who he had no emotional attachment to whatsoever spilled the McFlurry in his back seat of his car I don't know how we got onto that. Um, but yes, I had those conversations, but I think it was just to like, how do I optimize my 
high school resume for college. I don't think they were like, hey, where, if you want to go to this school, you got to do this. You got to get in with this person, yeah. whatever. Um, Marissa. Marissa's another one who she doesn't know if she's going to go to college. So Marissa to be like, I don't know if I want to go to college. Marissa's an attention whore. She's, she just brings on the drama herself, if I'm being entirely honest. Like, she could either just very strongly say, I don't want to go to college, or very strongly say, I want to go to college and, like, try to figure out a way to go to, like, a community college if she can't afford it. God, Marissa, she sucks. So you're not a big fan of Marissa. Let's Clear, just say that. Clearly. Who is? <laughs> no one is. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to her in a, a big way later in this podcast. Uh, Summer's plan for going to college she wants to stay west. So we're going to see that in these two episodes tonight on this podcast, Summer and Seth have a little bit of an issue with potentially they're going to be 3,000 miles apart. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Okay. First clip I want to play. It's actually not from the OC. It reminded me of a clip from Not Another Teen Movie. But there's this scene where Sandy is like pressuring Seth and Ryan to go to Berkeley, like, aggressively. Which, probably like your parents on, on making you go to IU, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. Right, and right. my grandparents. <laughs> and your grandparents' grandparents. And your grandparents' grandparents' grandparents. <laughs> um, so, it just reminded me of this scene in another, another team movie when Sandy is talking to Seth, clearly wanting his son to go to this school, but not coming out and saying it, but... But his actions would say otherwise that he clearly wants him to go to this school. And it reminded me of this scene. God, Dad, how many times have I told you I'm not going to Princeton? Listen, I'm not pressuring you, son. All I'm saying is give it four years. If you don't like it, there's always a job waiting for you at my firm. I don't want your life. Dad, I don't want your life. This is a not another teen movie? Yeah. Like the only like semi-dramatic part well it in in not another team movie it's a play on she's all that where oh. uh fpj's dad is like aggressively trying to get him to go to a college and when i was watching sandy do it with berkeley it just really reminded me of both those scenes i don't think i've ever seen not another teen movie what i'm sorry i don't think i have <sighs> that i mean i gotta seen, watch it we gotta I've watch it podcast we'll watch it that- <laughs> Let's do it. We'll watch it. I'm sorry. Sorry to let you down, kids. I just like any scene where, one, a kid is yelling at his stepfather, you're not my dad. (laughs) I love that scene in movies. And I also love just a scene where like a dad is pressuring their son and he's saying, yelling at him that he doesn't want his life. I'm so excited for when you potentially become a father, if those are your favorite parts. Oh, my God. Of movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and get my my future kids to uh, do a whole bunch of shit that they don't want to do at all. It's just something I like to do in my life. Hmm. Seems like uh, that's already happening with certain, certain wives. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, kids. I'm here for you guys. I don't know what you're talking about. What getting, are you referring making to? Making me do the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. making me, though, because I'm here on my own accord. Yes. Should we di- should we discuss the Kirsten and Julie storyline that's happening here? Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking Julie. Yeah, Julie's, again, she's endearing and she does a lot of fucked up shit. But at the end of the day, she's got a really good heart. So mm-hmm. right now, she's fallen on hard times. Yep. Charlotte tried to get her to do this con. Then she just bounced and left Julie to pick up all the pieces with her friend Kirsten. So simultaneously, now Julie has zero dollars. Yeah, she's living in a trailer, driving a U-Haul. Driving her own U-Haul. She had to move away from this like condo that she had on the beach. And she moves into the trailer park where this is going to become a big plot point moving forward is julie living in this trailer park mm-hmm. just so you know um kirsten finds out she sees that she's like driving to the she follows see, her yeah she <laughs> follows her and sees that she's like going and lives in a trailer park now so her plan it, to get julie out of that is to go into business with her like this is going to give her a job and enable her to get out of this trailer park 
Yeah, which is very nice of her. Like, that's a really good friend. Yeah. I I'll, I think it's also... It's partly for her, too. Yeah. she's bored. Yeah, she's going a little stir crazy because now Sandy's running the Newport group. And for the first time in her life, she's not, like, going to a job every day. Right. And she's not a good cook. <laughs> Although she's trying. So it's not <laughs> like she wants to sit at home and just cook all day. So she's got to figure out something else to do. That's why her and uh, Kirsten are going to go into business together. Next thing I had on my list, though, was a fire song to a Marissa meltdown. This was a, uh, a quick, it was just a singular montage. Um, this song was just playing while Marissa was trying to fill out her college essay. And she was getting the flashbacks? Yeah. Yeah. PTSD flashbacks. Uh, so this is like a really aggressively ominous song to have playing in the background while you're trying to fill out your college essay. I mean, anyone, <laughs> anyone would struggle writing an essay if this song was playing in the background this loud. Especially if you have like a PTSD situation where you shot a guy. Yeah, I could I could see that being a little hard. But then the way that this ends was just the biggest melodramatic freakout by Marissa where she just, she couldn't write her college essay. So she just <laughs> fucking throws her laptop and everything that's on her desk onto the ground and just shatters everything because she's, she has writer's block on her college essay. Do we think that was her laptop or was that actually Summer's laptop? Because Summer made a comment oh, later yeah. on where she was like, hey, you know, did you ever finish your essay? And, you know, you can use your you can use my laptop to be a little more gentle or something like that. So I wonder if it was actually Summer's laptop that she was using, which is even more of a ridiculous thing to do <laughs> if it's not your laptop. Marissa's going to really struggle if she does make it to college. We know she doesn't. But if she ever actually did make it to college, she would really struggle. She's she's just going to struggle in life in general if that is her reaction to, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. PTSD is a real thing. And I don't want to make fun of that. Oh, kids, she's on the record saying PTSD is real. <laughs> I'm HR Anna. I got to clear things up. I got to clear it out. Thank you so much for clarifying that for the kids. <laughs> but the if that is your reaction if you're you know feeling a certain kind of way she's just gonna be breaking a lot of shit yeah marissa blows ass in every facet right after this meltdown she decides that she's gonna blow ryan off for like the 750th time since they've been dating for three weeks and are they even dating yeah oh you didn't know I, I wouldn't have known since whenever they don't show any toward any affection towards each other. Yeah, they're dating. They haven't had sex in like a year. Clearly, they don't uh, kiss. They don't do. They, they had sex in that montage with when Jimmy, her dad, was getting his ass beat. Could have in fooled the beach me. Hunt. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's sad that they are actually technically dating because there's their, no chemistry. Their relationship is just fucking garbage yeah. so she blows ryan off again after this meltdown and she just decides like she's gonna go to johnny's surf competition mm -hmm. which the way that she's acting with johnny now it's just fully obvious like she loves the attention she she yes. has to know that he's into her yes she has to well i don't know actually because she's so fucking dumb but <laughs> It would seem like any normal person would clearly take those signs as someone being into them. Uh, I I know if it were me and someone was constantly like showing up to my surf competitions, always just like hanging out at my house, doing all these different things, I would go, well, this person's clearly into me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. It just doesn't make any sense. Like she, she still has it in her mind that oh, they're just friends, and you know they're buddies, and the slight like shoulder grazes, and him like smiling, and like come on, Marissa, come on. 
Ryan shows up to this surf competition. And once again, Ryan is just like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) This makes my stomach hurt, but all right, let's keep going. (laughs) Literally, when Ryan keeps showing up and like catching Marissa, quote unquote, in the act of like doing something nefarious, like hanging out with this guy again behind his back without telling him his, his mode is he's trying to be cool. But it's always just like, what's up? Like, what the fuck? A text, something to let me know you're here supporting this dude at his surf competition. There's always like a like a a moment before he joins them where he's like looking from afar. And it's just like a (laughs) a, like three second pause of him just like looking and being like, oh, should I be worried? No, I shouldn't. No, Ryan, don't. Don't do it, Ryan. Don't do it. Don't be worried. Trust Marissa. And then he like goes into whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. If you have to constantly tell yourself like every other weekend, like, Ryan, calm down. Don't freak out. Don't freak out, Ryan. I know you want to freak out and punch Marissa in the fucking face. Don't do it. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now. He does. We're not promoting domestic abuse. um, (laughs) So Ryan shows up and he's like, hey, Marissa, what's up? And Marissa's just like, what, man? I'm just like innocently like show. I'm, I'm just showing what? support. What? What? What's going on? What? What? I may travel on? with with him to Fiji, but like, what's up? Yeah. So, by the way, in the background, Marissa's <laughs> contemplating jo- joining Johnny's surf circuit around the world after high school. Like him and his dude, Chili, are just going to like go and travel the world, go to Fiji and Chili's like, oh, I got you like hooked up. Like you can become like work for the label for the the surf company and just travel the world with us. I know you're like you throw your computer and like bash everything in Summer's room every time you try and write an essay. Don't worry about it. Come with us and surf. Which sounds like a pretty awesome deal, but not if you have a boyfriend waiting in the wing. No, it's a pretty awesome deal if you're single and like ready to just travel for a little bit. Yeah. So Ryan's all starting to get a little annoyed. And I actually, I wrote the, there was a clip because this is where I started to really fucking hate Johnny because Ryan and Marissa are having an argument. They're having a fight and Johnny's just standing there. He's just Mm -hmm. lingering. I remember this. In the parking lot. And it's like, dude, Johnny, guy, if two people in a relationship are having a fight, stay the fuck out of it. That is like bystander 101 well and doesn't he say something to to ryan exactly clip ryan i tried to write the essay i I couldn't okay well i'll help you no i really don't think you can hey ryan thanks for coming man what's up did you tell marissa she should blow off college of course not okay and explain what you're doing here dude no offense but Maybe you just don't understand what she's going through. That was so lame. Yeah. Don't that was... do that, dude. Like, if you and I were having a heated argument, which happens all the time. Every Saturday today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did happen today. If we were having a heated arg- argument and someone else just came in, he's like, dude, PD, you don't even know what she's going through, dude. Which it would always down? be that way, just so we know. So everybody knows the bystander would always go, BD, what the fuck are you doing? Or like, what are you saying to her? Like, she's clearly right. Well, I don't know about that. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So I know if a bystander said that, I'd be like, (laughs) just fuck right off, sir. Yeah. Fuck right off. So I think now Johnny's like starting to like, mix his way in now he's mm-hmm. starting to feel like his relationship with marissa is starting to like elevate itself up to where now he's got the like the juice to like Status. tell her boyfriend yeah. to like fuck off mm-hmm. which is insane yeah this is where hijinks ensues though because ryan just like storms off because he's like fuck this johnny decides he's gonna go after ryan not marissa Johnny's going to go after Ryan. Another reason why Marissa sucks. Yeah, Marissa didn't even go after her own angry boyfriend. She lets this fucking third wheel jump in. As Johnny's going after him, car turns the corner in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I clocked this car going about 84 in this parking Which, lot. Who is who who is this person? Whoever was driving that vehicle was so angry. was going dangerously fast in this parking lot. Turns the corner, whips around. Johnny, he's going after Rye Guy Buttons and the car just smacks into Johnny. Mm-hmm. Brian! And this is a guy, keep in mind, all of his hopes and dreams are tied up into surf. And then his knee. He just gets fucked up. His knee gets fucked while he's got all these plans. He's not going to go to college. He's going to go on this surf tour around the world. People are counting on him for like Chili is completely counting on him for his entire existence, which is weird. (laughs) By the way, to your point, fucks up his knee. I did have some nits to pick with this because from what I know about watching a lot of football is they tell Johnny that he's got a torn ACL and this was about as much of a contact injury as is humanly possible. A car hit him. Yeah, why did they choose that injury? Why wouldn't I don't it know. just be like a broken leg? Like it would it would give off the same like oh shit. It looked like like if they said, hey, your leg was shattered because you got hit by a moving vehicle. So you have like 17 compound fractures and there's bone fragments like just shattered in your skin. It would make way more sense. They just gave him a torn ACL, which is wild because anyone that watches sports knows that torn ACLs really only happen on non-contact injuries. Nits. Nits to pick. Nits to pick. Because she's like, the doctor said, I don't know if he'll ever even walk again, let alone surf again. It's like, on a torn ACL? He's never going to walk again? (laughs) The fuck? Shatter his leg. Doctor, do you know science? (laughs) Like, shatter his leg, (laughs) goddammit. We we have microfracture surgery. We we can get through a torn ACL and get Johnny back up on the surf circuit. But yeah, it is a week week knit to pick. That's what the poor uh, poor hospitals do for you. If you went to a rich hospital, it'd be a different diagnosis. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, he's in a. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. It's it's been made. It's been beaten over our head that Johnny's poor. Like, this show has made it, they've gone so out of their way to showcase, like, this guy? Poor. But he's poor in, like, not even really poor in California standards. Like, his house is small, but it's, like, he's not, like, living in poverty. I don't know. I feel like they depict that. And I remember Seth said something along the lines of, like, when they were driving up to his house, and they're like, oh, it's so cute. And he was like, oh, it's nothing like Ryan, where Ryan's from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little dig at Ryan. <laughs> well, it's weird because we all know Ryan came from the other side of the tracks. That's very clear, very obvious. He came from the other side of the Chino tracks. Johnny's like not from the other side of the tracks. He's kind of just like slightly below middle class. Yeah, I was going to say slightly lower middle class. He's not. Yeah. He's not poor. But because he hangs out with all these rich people, because yeah. Marissa's in his life now. Right. Yeah. If he lived in Cincinnati with us, he'd probably just be living in like a $350,000 house. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, there he is a, a real peasant. But yeah, I, I, I like the fact that we know this about uh, the OC is how rich you are is constantly being clocked Mm -hmm. like constantly by everyone like everyone's always got tabs on like exactly how much money everyone has yes we know this there was one thing i just wanted to quickly jump to which was sandy let's go back to his ongoing quest to get uh seth to follow in his footsteps and go to berkeley Mm -hmm. in his quest he invites his old college friend roommate i can't remember but it was some guy that went to berkeley with him who is now like on the board of berkeley Mm -hmm. or something of admissions i don't know and he invites him over to dinner there was one comment made at dinner a clip you know supposedly something like 50 percent of people meet their future mates in college you too have girlfriends so 50 percent of people meet at college i thought this seemed a little high 50% 
Fifty percent's a little high. Because I was thinking, I'm like, uh, one out of two people, I one out of two couples, I'm I know, did they meet at college? And I was like, I don't think it's that high. And we did. Mm-hmm. We yeah, did. we're we're definitely that statistic. We're a statistic on that, but. Yeah, so I looked it up, and it turns out that in 2004, there was a study done that said, which would have been a couple years before this aired. I think this aired in 06. 2004, a study was done that said 40% of married people met at college. Mm, I, I don't know. I still feel like that. But I guess if you think about it, like... Well, hold on, hold on, because you're thinking in 2020 terms. 2020, the numbers come down 15%. Mm, So now mm, the number is around 25% of married people met at college. Okay, that makes sense. So one out of four. Because I, I, and I think it has to do with when people, like the age at which people like deem as wanting to get married. Like sometimes, I feel like back in the day, people wanted to get married younger. And so they would utilize college to find a husband or to find a wife Mm. more so than they do now i think now it's more like okay if i find somebody that's great but that's not my you know my main prerogative for going to college yeah that's good analytics i think that's probably true that's got to be what's happening why that number's going down for sure people Mm -hmm. aren't people aren't getting married as young I'm on board with that. I was also looking at it just like, where do people meet? It said uh, 39% of people meet through friends. Yeah. And I I think it was only like 8 or 9% of people find their significant other at bars. We met through friends. Friends, yeah, slash college. Last thing I want to say on this dinner party is... Cohen's are the worst dinner hosts of oh, all time. 100%. They had this guy over, and then by the end of the dinner, no one was sitting at the table with him. It was him. just him. <laughs> it was just him by himself. Because they had other other things going on in their personal lives, and they just like, excuse me, I need to get up. Excuse me. Excuse me. And yeah. then at the end of the day, it was just him, and he was like, okay. <laughs> I, it's, Kirsten, why did Kirsten and Sandy leave? No, I know. Why did Kirsten leave? I know why Sandy left. Why did Kirsten leave? Kirsten left because she she was in a fight with Julie. Oh, yeah. She left to go deal with some of that business stuff with Julie. Well, well, let's wait on Sandy. Um, Ryan left because Marissa just shows up at the dinner. Oh, hi. And doesn't Summer show up too? I think. I can't remember. Yeah. I this is remember. a horrible dinner for this man. It sucks for this man because so Kirsten leaves to go deal with some drama with her friend. Uh, Ryan leaves because his girlfriend shows up and just drags him out of there without introducing, getting introduced to anyone at the party. And then Sandy leaves with Seth because they go have to ha- a, like a father son heart to heart in the house right. yeah. inside. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So then this guy at this dinner party is just like there outside at the dinner by himself. And he just decides at some point, like, all right, I guess I'm going to leave. But he goes and talks to Ryan before he leaves and is like, I feel like you would be a really good candidate for Berkeley. I know. That was a little like, all right, if I'm that guy, <laughs> I'm I'm like dropping the whole like sell Berkeley shtick. And, and why are you selling Berkeley to these people that literally just left you at a dinner table? I know. That's all <laughs> like, I'm saying. So I, desperate. I'd, I'd, if I were that guy, I'd just be like 90% of my head would just be like, these people fucked me hard on this dinner. <laughs> I got fucked hard. <laughs> but the scene I want to go to, though, sorry for that guy. Sorry about you, guy. A, a pretty nice moment between Sandman and his son, Seth. Mm-hmm. In him finally like getting the balls to tell his dad, like, Dad, I don't want your life. I don't want to go to Berkeley clip. I don't want you to get upset, okay? But I'm not going to Berkeley. I want to go to Brown. I'm not upset. Brown's a great school. I wish you would have told me. Dad, I've been trying to for years. You didn't want to hear it. It's that I want you to have the same amazing experience that I had. That is exactly why I need to go east. It's exactly what you did. You left everything behind and you forged your own path. I need to do that. You're already doing it. There's one way to win Sandy over. And Seth did it. Bagels and schmear. 
No. And? <laughs> yeah, I guess that would work. But uh, yes, the second way to win Sandy over <laughs> is to make that statement of, Dad, listen, it's time for me to forge my own path, Dad. Why does, it, why does he sound like he's in a porn? What? You're making him sound like he's in a porn with the dark voice. What porn are you watching? <laughs> you know. watch Batman porn? Do you watch Batman parody porn? No. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. You just it, my set my deep <laughs> Seth voice in your head sounds like a porn voice. It. I don't know. It just does. No, that was just my deep, like dramatic Seth voice of like, Dad, I need to forge my own path, Dad. Okay, the kids will agree with me. That sounds like a. A porn star? That sounds like somebody who's trying to seduce somebody in a porn. Uh, kids get at us if that's what it sounds like, but I, I truly have not seen a ton of porn with like the guy sounding like Batman. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I was laughing because I was like, that's all Sandy needs to hear. Sandy is so a guy who like, he's all about creating his own path, forging mm -hmm. his own path. Yep. And like he left his house when he was 18 to go like make a name for himself in California or something. Who knows? But if your son who you've been wanting to go down, you know, a certain path tells you like, dad, you need to let me go, dad. That's exactly what Sandy needed to hear. And he backed off real quick. Mm -hmm. So... Now Seth can do his own thing. And maybe go be a porn star. Maybe he can go be a porn star. Music to Sandy's ears. Because that would be Seth just forming his own path. <laughs> doing porn. <laughs> Putting on a Batman costume and going and doing porn. Episode 9 kicks off with what I think is the biggest plot hole in the entire series of the OC. Which is... Summer's perfect SAT scores. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. They do this whole thing of they're trying. They got to figure out a way to get Summer and Seth potentially going to the same college. And by the way, this is why teen dramas cannot work in college. It cannot work. You look at any teen TV show, even look at Saved by the Bell. It sucked ass when they went to the college years. It, it just like it doesn't work when you go to college. It never works. The only okay the caveat: the only time it ever did work <laughs> is Gossip Girl. It, yeah, it I was about worked. to say Gossip Girl was good, but they weren't living a high school life in high school anyways. They were essentially True. just living young adult lives in New York. Yeah. So nothing, nothing really changed. So nothing changed. The, the show stayed the same. But in all these other teen shows where high school is actually like an element of the show, going to college doesn't work. Again, said it a million times. That's why One Tree Hill nailed it because they fast forwarded through the college years and it was the perfect way to handle it. Just that's, skip college. That's how I would do it. Yeah. Just skip it all together. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. The OC, though, they've got to figure out a way to get Summer and Seth like at the same school. Historically, Summer's been a dumbass like the entire series. Which is why I didn't understand. Like, why didn't they just keep going with him going to Brown and her going to that Providence? This is why. Um, like, that would have been a perfect segue. Like, why did they have to do this whole thing with them being competitive <clears throat> and Summer yeah. being smart? This is this is why I call it the biggest plot hole in the entire series because there's so many different ways that you can get around this and they chose to ignore those different ways and they just decided let's just make Summer like this savant who yes she's really dumb and she's been dumb and says really dumb things the whole series and like Seth is the smart one and all that but like just give her like perfect SAT scores. First off, would Brown like accept a student who did really well in the SAT that's got like C's and shit for her whole life? Probably not. No. So that's why I just, I, I, I think it's a huge miss. Well, but they were, she, she made a comment about how she spoke with the guidance counselor after she got the SAT scores and they were talking about how she could like spend the rest of the semester or the rest of like the school year increasing her grade GPA. So that was, that was brought up. 
she was like, I just need to focus more. It was such a throwaway line. It it was it, it's all for them to just get her and him like competing to go to college together. And it makes no yeah, actual why, sense. Why did that have to be a storyline? I don't I don't understand why like what was the point of that? And it really even know. didn't it didn't even really last that long. Like it lasted like a couple scenes and then they decided that it wasn't a good idea to fight. Yeah, so it didn't make sense. We're probably not going to come back to that on th- that storyline on this podcast because it's not very interesting. But just know they do work it out. They come up with this plan of like, all right, we're both going to go after it. So when these episodes end, they're both attempting to now go out east yeah. for their college experience. Mm-hmm. They had some good moments. They had some some good like heartfelt moments of them coming together. And it was cool. Cool stuff. I, though, would rather jump back to Marissa because we have now gone a good chunk of this podcast without giving the MCITW, and I think it is time. Mm-hmm. This week, the MCITW, and that is the Marissa Cooper is the Worst of the Week, and it is brought to you, as always, by our fine sponsors, Wicklow, where, W-I-C-K-L-O-W, where, and be free and explore, but get all your out there, get wicklowwork.com, type in the promo code VL, check it, get 10% off your order, kids. $30 on the baseball tees, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, $20 on the tanks. Slide into those DMs kits for all of our swag situations. Marissa Cooper. Obviously, it's going to her. I listed out a whole bunch of shit that she did in these two episodes, which, again, is her being oblivious. It's her being the worst girlfriend of all time. And it's her... I think she's essentially trying to give me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's happening. One, not only did she bail on Ryan again for Johnny's surf competition, but after his injury, she stays with him at his house. Which why? So, I'm sorry. Where's Chili? Like, why isn't Chili doing this? Chili bounced. Um, as soon as he can't handle it. Well, yes, that's what he said. Yeah. But it was as soon as Johnny, his meal ticket was just gone. He was like, fuck this guy. Oh, yeah, it's just a shitty friend. Yeah. Johnny's mom is never around because she's like working like all these hours to, you know, try and provide as a single mom in Newport. And so Johnny's just at this house by himself. Mm -hmm. And Marissa's there one on one, like caretaking for him. Right. Okay, that's number two. Uh, She's there 24-7, cooks, cleans. She gets him hooked up with uh, like a top surgeon, all this shit. She Three, she picks up his homework from the school. She's like inserting herself one-on-one with him at the house after school because she's getting his homework. Four, dinner with Johnny and his mom. If and, you she and she invites Ryan, which I thought was so not cool. <laughs> It was weird. Weird move for Marissa to be with this side piece and inviting her own boyfriend to the side piece's house. It was weird enough that she was there for dinner, but the fact that she invited Ryan and didn't even ask the mom, that was just weird. So weird. And then the last thing, which was Marissa is over there at night. It's post-dinner. And Johnny's put on a movie. Obviously, his mom's gone back to work for like her 75th hour in a day of work. She only goes home for a couple hours to make dinner and then she goes back to work. Correct. So she leaves and Johnny puts on a movie. There's an entire couch. He sits right next to her on the end of the couch. So like there's six feet of open space on this couch. And then both of them are sitting in the corner together. Mm Mm-hmm. And Johnny falls asleep on her shoulder. She's cuddling on the couch with him. And then she falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she sleeps over his house. Yep. Reason number 76 on how Marissa sucks ass. So is there anyone else in contention for the worst character of the week award? Or are you pretty comfortable with it just going to Marissa for the aforementioned reasons i mean i would say a close second would be chili but i think marissa takes the cake i actually was thinking that when i was watching this and it was mostly for his performance in episode eight versus episode nine but i was thinking the same thing when episode eight was happening if we just did it on episode eight i might actually shoehorn him in for the award 
because it was insane. I, I kept thinking like, dude, lame move guy. Like you don't have any plans of your own, dude. Like your life, your entire life is just riding the coattails of this potential surf prodigy and being in his entourage. And although I don't like Johnny and Marissa's relationship, I like Johnny. Like I like him oh, as a character. No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, no. I do. I'm sorry. That's my opinion, sir. But <laughs> I do like Johnny as a person, but I don't like that Marissa's in the mix. I think if Marissa wasn't in the mix and he was just like a side character, I would like him. I couldn't disagree more on Johnny, but uh, disagreements make this world go round. So we'll let it be there. But we will tell that's those why, kids. That's why we're opposite. And opposites attract. Yep. Kids, be free and explore. <laughs> this award's been brought to you by Wicklow Wear. Marissa, you suck. Um, Chili, you get an uh, honorable mention for mm-hmm. sucking as well. Mm-hmm. Get fucked. Okay. Let's go over to Ryan. Ryan has picked up an internship at the Newport Group with Sandy and Matt Ramsey. Now, first question I have is, I was noticing this with Ryan's attire in this episode. Has Ryan ever worn gym shoes in his life? I don't recall what he was wearing. I'm going to go with no. He wears his boots. Oh, yeah. He does wear boots. He wears these like black. Worker man boots. He wears them with shorts. He wears them with bootleg jean pants. He wears them with chino clothes. He wears them with slacks. (laughs) He wears these boots always. He wears them when he's got his white collar internship at Sandy's real estate company. He's always wearing them. And so I legitimately don't think Ryan Atwood has ever worn gym shoes. I don't think that's a crazy statement. I don't think I've ever seen him in gym shoes. Now, season one, mm-hmm. Ryan did try out for the soccer team. And he wore his boots? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he did try out for the soccer team where he was wearing soccer cleats and shin guards. But I've never seen him wear gym shoes seth wears them all the time he probably wears like the new balances or like the pumas he he wears yeah he wears like Converse. he also wears like chuck t's he wears like chuck yeah yeah but so ryan i've i've seen him in cleats and i've seen him just shoeless barefoot and then i've seen him in boots but i've never seen him wear gym shoes i wonder what gym shoes he owns it's got to be it's got to be a bad look in his closet for gym shoes. He probably just has like a really old pair of like beat up Nikes or like or new New Balances. I could see him wearing newbies. <laughs> Either way, you won't get this reference, but him wearing gym shoes is exactly what I probably would feel like as when I saw Roger Goodell wearing gym shoes in an interview once. Totally. Oh, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird thinking of Ryan wearing anything but those platform bits. Ryan starts interning though. And this this new Matt Ramsey guy kind of takes Ryan under his wing. Matt Ramsey, just to catch you and the kids up simultaneously. He's the new VP of this. Why are you catching me up? I watched the episode with you. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, but you haven't seen the previous ones. Oh, yes. Okay. You haven't seen the previous ones. I also want to say that Matt Ramsey, I think, is the worst actor in the entire OC series. Pretty bad. He is hands down the worst. I was trying to think of like who's come in and been a worse actor And I really, I was racking my brain and I could not come up with one other actor who was worse. He's that bad. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Really bad. Like anytime he's in a scene and like you need a little emotion from him or you need his eyes to tell a little story to the camera. Blank. Blank as fuck. Like they gave him a pretty dynamic Mm storyline. Because in this episode, this Matt Ramsey guy turns out that his girlfriend and him broke up when they were in Chicago when he moved out to California he like rose up through the ranks fairly quickly but he's got kind of this damaged side where he's still been like he's still upset about his girlfriend and he's still like wallowing in that and 
it's a pretty intriguing storyline, but he just doesn't deliver. Like he, we always talk about on this podcast, like getting your shot and do you deliver with it Two people that in this show that did Julie Cooper and Summer mm-hmm. Roberts mm-hmm. both got a shot delivered. This guy clearly got a shot and just didn't hit like he miss. Yeah, he's he's a horrible actor. What do you think about him looks wise? Hawkeye, not Hawkeye? Um, I think he's attractive. Um, he but he has like classic just like what you would see in like a like a Macy's magazine, like someone who's attractive that's like wearing like a like a button down Ralph Lauren polo and like posing with like he, he looks like a magazine model. He's well, got may- good features, but he, he's not like intriguing. He's got no X factor. Correct. And maybe that's how he got this job is they just plucked him out of that Macy's ad and they were like, dude, you got the look down. And then they didn't even screen test him. Like Dale from Bachelorette. Isn't he used to do those uh, (laughs) modeling uh, gigs? Yeah, he did like D level models. (laughs) He he would be like in old Navy ads or like Halloween ads. Yeah, Halloween ads. That's what it was. Yeah. So we think that. Matt Ramsey, the actor, was dressed up like Thor in a Halloween magazine, and the OC just saw it, picked him up, cast him immediately without even... I feel like he may have known somebody, like, higher up. Maybe. Yeah. It's the only way he could have gotten that role. He knew uh, he was having sex with an executive at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe he gave a hand job to Josh Schwartz. Yeah, that's possible. So... Matt, as he's like going through all these issues and Brian's just there, he's got to blow off some steam. So he goes to a strip club and brings Ryan with him, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, you loved at that strip club. Ryan ordered a glass of milk. (laughs) He did. (laughs) At first, I was like, oh, maybe it's like a watered down pina colada. But as we uh, you played it back and yep, it was very much a glass of milk with a straw. Yep. Wow, because I'm just thinking like in season one, casino night, Ryan goes up to the bar like he's done it a million times, orders a 7-7. I mean, Atwood's drink seven and sevens. We know that. Those are good. Seven and sevens. I don't know if I've ever had one. What is it? Um, It's seven up. Seven up. And I think it's Seagram seven. Oh, well, I've never. Wait, had let it. me look. <laughs> While you're looking that up. Either way, Ryan knows how to order a drink or at least look cool at a bar. Like, so everyone knows, like, dude, don't order milk at a strip club, idiot. It is Seagram's Seven Crown. I was right. And Seven Up. Okay. So order a Seven and Seven, an alcoholic drink, or just if you want to find, order a non-alcoholic drink, just order like a Red Bull and Cranberry. Or a Coke. Or a Coke and yeah, people just assume you have, have like a, rum. Can in I have it. a glass of just tall glass of milk with a straw, please. It's been a long day. <laughs> like you. It's been a long day interning, boss. <laughs> it's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. So Matt blows the business presentation. He just blows the business, period. (laughs) He blows it. He sucks at acting and he sucks at business. And he goes and gets drunk as fuck at a strip club and then slaughters the business present. Not in a good way. The business presentation. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't kill it. He he kills it like he kills the deal. Like (laughs) the deal ends because of him. (laughs) Sandy fires him. And I think Sandy was totally justified firing Matt Ramsey. They, but what I love about Sandy is, I'm sure you're going to lead to later on, but it doesn't take much convincing for Sandy to give somebody a second chance. No. This is, again, why <laughs> Sandy is, they're trying to turn him into this like business real estate mogul who took over for Caleb Nickel and Kirsten. He took over the Newport Group, which is big enough of a real estate company that it made Caleb Nickel a billionaire. Yeah. And Kirsten Cohen, a multi-multi-millionaire. So he's running like a massive company. Yet he's still operating like he's a public defender making 30K a year. He's like an idealist. He's 
the heartbeat of this whole show. We can agree on that. Like Sandy's mm-hmm. the heart of this show. He's the dad that everyone goes to for advice, all this stuff. He, he would not succeed as like a ruthless businessman. It just doesn't make any sense. No. And this guy who just blew a massive, massive real estate deal. He fucked it royally because he went to a strip club, pun intended, and and spent the entire night at the strip club. <laughs> I just got that. And so <laughs> he would get fired. And then to your point, because Sandy's still wired in a way that's like, you know, I am so mad at you, but damn it, I'm going to give you a second chance. He he then doesn't fire him. And just based on pure emotion, he says this line. Be here at 8 a.m. on Monday. We'll give it another try. You do that? Yeah. You owe me big time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? What do you have to do for Sandy to fully fire you? I don't know because, yeah, if you do a whole bunch of shit, like Sandy may fire you on a whim, but if you just give him a sob story, he's going to hire you right back Monday at 8. Come on in. All right. Come on in. (laughs) Tuesday at 4. Just come on in. (laughs) Yeah. Say he fires you on a Monday. You go to a strip club on like a, on a, on a Monday, on a, it's like a Sunday night and you come in Monday all fucked up. He fires you Monday. Then, yeah, he's got to switch it to, (laughs) I'll see you Tuesday at noon. You get to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get to come in midday. All right. Enough of Sandy hate. Uh, we love Sandy. We love Sandy's Sandy. great. We love Sandy. I even a, got a shirt. I own a shirt. A Sandy Cohen shirt. Johnny finally professes his love to Marissa when he's all pain pilled out because of the pain pills for his knee clip. You know, Marissa, we're friends. Yeah, we are friends. How many of those painkillers did you take? I have to tell you something. I can't say it. Say what? Don't say anything back, okay? I don't want anything. I just want you to know the truth. The truth about what? I really like you. (laughs) Okay, I really like you too. No. I mean, I like you, like you. I think I'm in love with you. Now, my question is, will Marissa still deny that he loves her after this? (laughs) (laughs) Cracking yourself up over there. Well, I tee it up to you because... While we were watching this, you had a very demonstrative, angry reaction to seeing this where you took your pen and you wrote your note vigorously <laughs> about this scene. And then you clicked the pen closed because it's a click pen. You clicked it closed and then you threw it on the ground. I just think you like drama. I don't think it was that aggressive. You threw the pen on the couch really aggressively. <laughs> well, it was it was annoying because he was like. I think I'd like you. And she's like, yeah, I like you. I like you too, Johnny, idiot. <laughs> We're friends. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I mean, I think I, li- I like like you like you. And she's I like, love you, Marissa. And then she's like, oh, yeah, what? Oh, you're, you're on pain pills. You don't know what you're saying. And he's like, uh, but it's true. And it's like, <laughs> Marissa, like, come on. She's so fucking dense. She is so dense. She is so and dense. And how how can Ryan pick up on this? Summer and Seth pick up on this and she's just not she's just not picking it up. Marissa did not go to the school of hard knocks. Marissa, she has the opposite of street smarts. Mm-hmm. She is the dumbest person on the street at all times. Even when someone's point blank just saying like, "Marissa, I'm in love with you, bitch." It's like I'm in love with you too, Johnny, as friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Marissa, get it through your thick skull, idiot. <laughs> Sorry. Marissa sucks. I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. Even when someone's beating it over her head, she still doesn't fucking get it. That's why you hate her. And you hate her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. 
That's why there's an award called the Merce Cooper is the Worst of the Week, and it's brought to you by our fine sponsors of Wicklow Wear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end on a positive note, though. Dual montage. Dual montage. Positive note. Song. I love this song. It's right up my indie wheelhouse. And it's a little depressing, but it's also, I feel like while it's depressing, it could also be like read into as like, it's hopeful. It's like got hope for future. Two things happening. It's just a dual montage. It's core four, break them up. The first one is Summer and Seth, and it's them filling out their college applications mm-hmm. together and mailing them in together so it's like a little depressing because it's like oh they may not end up getting into the same schools they may go their separate ways but it's also hopeful of like maybe they could like get into the same school and then the second thing happening in this montage is ryan and marissa they had another argument obviously worst relationship of all time they both felt bad about it Ryan went over to her house to apologize. What Marissa do? Marissa went to his pool house. Exactly. To apologize. So then Ryan calls her from her bedroom and he <laughs> says, Hey, what's up? Where are you at? And she goes, I was just going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> and then they spend. <laughs> And then they spend the night on the flip phones with each other. Why? Just talking. Why didn't they just meet up at one of the places? I don't know. Yeah. They just don't like to have sex or like any sexual contact. So they're cool just talking on the phone. I guess. Um, Because, yeah, I feel like that's a real quick like, oh, my God, we're both such idiots. We we both felt so bad. And we okay, wait, you want me to your place or you want to come over here and meet me here? Like, what do you want to do? But they just don't. The fact that they just want to talk on the phone is just a little odd, but it's okay. Well, and but then they have their like first real conversation, I would say, in at least like four weeks. (laughs) Which is so sad. (laughs) Yeah, because they they, it's like the only time that they can be real with each other is when they're like on the phone and not face to face in person. So, yeah. I think at that point, though, that's when we saw that Marissa finally, like, copped all the Johnny shit, and she told Ryan about, like, Johnny professing his love to her and stuff. We don't know for sure, though, because it... Cut um, to black. Cut, yeah, it cut out. I think I think that we saw it, because it, it, she started to talk about it, and it seemed like she told the story. She was going to be truthful, yeah. 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 And then he, you know, she, she was being vulnerable. She opened up, and then he did the same thing. He told her about, like... Okay, thanks. I, and he started telling her about the strip club and stuff. Mm-hmm. Going there, drinking a hard glass of milk. <laughs> the strip club. Okay. That does it for all the major plot points. Are you good? I'm good. It's high time then to give an MVP. Ooh. Why didn't you prep me with this? No prep needed, just in your loins. What are your loins telling you on who brought the fucking heat? So I'm going to throw you for a loop here. Okay. I'm going to give it to Taylor. Townsend? Yep. <laughs> Got no love on this podcast. But hear what me out. What was Taylor doing? Okay. Hear me out. So she is obsessed with Seth. Was talking that first episode that we watched all about how she was going to go with him to to brown and they were gonna you know basically be a couple and just like throwing it in summer's face and then she felt bad for doing that and realized that summer and seth are actually in love and that she shouldn't try to mess with that and so she tried to think of another scenario which would have worked had (laughs) the producers gone with the plot but she she mentions providence Yes, she mentioned Providence and she mentioned Summer going to a school that was about yeah. 20 minutes away. 
so they could continue on their relationship. And that took a lot, I think, for Taylor to do because she's in love with Seth. So I would give it to her. Yeah, you know, Taylor doesn't get a lot of love because she's still in her annoying Taylor Townsend phase. What happens after season three when a certain someone goes away, season four is Taylor Townsend heavy. Like Taylor Townsend essentially becomes one of the core members of this friend group in season four and kind of starts having this thing with Ryan a little bit too. So Taylor Townsend, I think it is clear to me that the show gave her a a, a shot, same as Matt Ramsey got, same as a lot of these people get. They gave her a shot and it's almost like they realized that the writing for her was atrocious and no matter how good of an actress she was, it was no one could ever succeed with the current writing that she has. Mm -hmm. But it was like the show knew that she had the bones of being a really prominent part of this series. Yeah. If they just wrote her a little better. So I like her getting it because it's like a little bit of a preview of things to come. So you're, you're on the Taylor Townsend train early Mm -hmm. is my point. I, I thought that was very, very nice of her and noble of her. Yeah, I I think all we're missing right now with Taylor is just more of these redeeming qualities because they've they've given us a lot of shitty things with her, but like when they give her her moments to like redeem, she does. Yep. It's the opposite of Matt Ramsey. When Matt Ramsey <laughs> was given his moment for redemption, it fell flat for me. Yep. Okay, Taylor Townsend, you are giving it to her earlier than anyone else would, but cool beans. Cool beans. It's what I do. I see talent before it happens. <laughs> that is true, because you're in HR. <laughs> you're in HR, you see the talent, you hire the talent. You keep that talent along for a long time. Okay, Anna from HR, thanks for coming on to this podcast. No problem. Anything for the kids? You're clearly getting sleepy. I've seen you yawn a couple times, and I'm sure those kids are getting sleepy. So kids, (laughs) while you and Anna from HR get really tired and get really cozy in your beds, we will tell you while you're sleeping tight. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.